You are Locked On Giants, your daily podcast on the New York Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans. Welcome to a new edition of Locked On Giants. Today is Wednesday, March 28, 2018. I am Patricia Trena of The Athletic, Inside Football, and others. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ed Valentine, who is the editor at Big Blue View. And Ed, how are you doing today? I'm just fine, Patty. How are you? I am just great. The NFL meetings in the books, a uh, lot to come out of it, a lot to talk about. And, uh, uh, geez, Ed, I, I think we have to go to a place that you and I probably didn't want to have to go and talk about a topic that we really, you know, we've talked about before that we were hoping not to have to talk about again, but here we are again, huh? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, you know, I think that unfortunately – you know, I'm, I'm sure that, that folks out there probably, you know, there's at least some folks out there that don't want to hear us talk about Odell Beckham again. Um, you know, you and I really don't want, don't want to talk about Beckham again, but, but after the, the, the firestorm yesterday of, of comments from Pat Shermer and, and, and Dave Gettleman and, and, and John Mara and, and all of the trade stories and, and everything else, I, I think that, that we have to. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I'm just, just going to speak from the heart here. First of all, I get the interest in the story. I mean, Odell is a big name. You know, anytime you, you there's even a, a door cracked open about the possibility of, of trading away a big name, a franchise player, you have to discuss it. You have to, you know, unfortunately talk about it and write about it. With that said, I go back and I look at the comments that have been made by Gettleman, by Pat Shermer, by John Mara, and really, there's nothing in there. I mean, if we were talking about any other player on that roster, would there be such a firestorm? And I'm talking about, you know, like an Eli Manning, who I know has a, 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 a no-trade clause in his contract, so he's not going anywhere. I'm talking about other big names, like um, a Janoris Jenkins or a Damon Harrison or an Olivier Vernon. I mean, these are guys who are, who are you know, tops on the team in their, in their respective um, positions. I know Odell is, is maybe, you know, in the grand scheme of things, he's considered tops in his field league-wide. But, you know, you can also say, well, Damon Harrison is also a guy who's considered tops in his field league-wide because he's such a good run stopper. But the point that I'm trying to make is really, you know, general managers and team owners are going to do what's best in the – what's in the best interest of the team. They're not going to let fan sentiment affect them. So the comments that, you know, the door was open, that, you know, we'll listen to what other people have to say, it's really not that big of a deal because if they had said, oh, we're not going to listen, we're going to turn a deaf ear, and, you know, to me that would be detrimental. That would be almost counterproductive in trying to help the team move forward. Now, John Mara has come out. And he has said, 
look, I am not actively looking to trade Odell. I have not made an, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here. I have not put him on the block. I have not advertised he's on the block. But you always do have to listen. And that's called doing due diligence. Nothing may, may ever come of it, but you do due diligence. And that's how I see this whole, you know, firestorm, if you will, uh, how I would define it. Patty, you're probably you're probably on target there. I mean, to to come out and say at this point, you know, absolutely no way, no circumstance. There's there's no possible package on the planet that that would lead us to to trading Odell Beckham or any player is wrong-headed it's the wrong way to do business you you leave the door open you know the problem is that that this isn't damon harrison it's not janoris jenkins it's not olivier vernon it's not one of those guys this is odell beckham this is worldwide celebrity you know headline seeking headline making you know every move that he makes you know every time his name is uttered it's a story, um, you know, like like it or not, that unfortunately is the way that it is. It's the way that, that he seems to like it, you know, unfortunately, because every time, you, you, you know, we sit here and we say, you know, let it die down, keep your name out of the headlines, keep your head down, you know, just go about your business, let your play speak for itself. That's what we say. And yet every time we turn around, it's not only, you know, the, the, the media making the Beckham headline, it, it's Beckham doing something on social media to, to, to throw his name out there again. And it, it just is what it is. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, the Giants didn't come out yesterday and say, we're trading him, we're tired of him, you know, he has to go, we simply can't have him on our football team. They left the door open, which is the smart, responsible way to go about doing business. They left the door open, you know, to saying someone could overwhelm us, you know, and, and make us an offer that we think makes the New York Giants better. And and, and I, yeah, there's a big firestorm about it, but I don't have a problem with it. And, and, and in all honesty, I don't think we're anywhere different you know, than we were between the Giants and Beckham, we're not really anywhere different than we were two or three days ago. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, the bottom line is is that, and, and I think Odell hit this on the head when he said, I think it was either last year or the year before, I can't even sneeze without people analyzing it. And, you know, we talked about this the other day. Odell is a tremendous talent. You know, he's a game changer, a difference maker, and he's really not this, this second coming of the devil as some people have made him out to be. He's a young man who has tremendous wealth, who has tremendous status, and, and you know, he, he unfortunately is battling the fame monster. He's trying to find a balance between enjoying all the perks that come with his hard work uh, of being a football player and, you know, maintaining some semblance of a normal life. And it's a tough balancing act, and I get that. But, you know, sometimes the best thing to do is to try and lay low. And it goes back to what I said the other day about, 
you know, don't invite cameras and cell phones and any recording devices into your parties. You know, if you're going to have a party, have your friends come in and say, look, guys, keep, keep your phones off or, or surrender them at the door. You know, I, 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 was in, I had a discussion with somebody on Twitter yesterday, <clears throat> a big Odell fan. And I said, you know, and, and the guy said, oh, you know, I don't know why the media makes such a big deal. So I said, let's be real here. I said, are you really that interested in what Odell eats and who he's dating? And he goes, no, I just want to see, you know, I, I just want to feel like I'm part of the team. So I said, okay, so you want to see things like, you know, Odell working out. You want to see things like, you know, maybe behind the scene things in the locker room or perhaps on the team charter plane. And he's like, yeah, that's pretty much what I want to see. I don't want to see this other stuff. I said, okay, so there you go. And that's the root of the problem right there is that you get to see everything from Odell. And part of that is a result of him being, you know, I think genuinely interested in bonding with his fans, which you can't fault him for. But you have to draw the line because now things are starting to get out of control and, p and you've got people out there that are going to make him look like the second coming of Satan with every move he makes. And, and it's just not fair. No, Patty, I get all of that. And, and, you know, we've said multiple times, and I will say again, Odell Beckham is not a bad guy. He's not out there getting arrested. He's not out there breaking laws he's not out there you know doing doing those kinds of things he's not out there hurting people you know he's simply he for whatever reason and, and to me you know he keeps doing it to himself he keeps finding ways into the headlines that just aren't complimentary or they aren't necessary you know, if he wants to post videos of himself working out, that's fine. But let's, you know, let's use a little bit better judgment about who we hang around with and about what, you know, what we allow people to take pictures of us doing and or videos of us doing and, and, and things like that. Let's just be a little bit more careful, of, you know, about the, about the, the image that we project how it reflects on on Beckham himself, how it reflects on the Giants. You know, that's I do think that in terms of some of the things that that were said yesterday, you know, I do think there's maybe a little bit of negotiating going on in public. There's a little bit of the Giants, you know, sending Odell Beckham a message that that Talent alone, you know, isn't enough for him to earn his his mega contract that he wants. You know, maybe it's because I'm older than Odell and and you know from a different generation, basically. But I don't always understand, not only with Odell, but with the whole generation, you know, of you know that that Beckham is from. I don't understand living your entire life out loud, why every move that you make, you know, out in public or behind closed doors has to somehow be documented on social media because I don't understand what good comes of it. Well, it's, it's the old, it's the uh, reality TV show generation. You know, there are plenty of, of uh, reality TV 
stars out there, and I use that term loosely because I'm not really sure what the, living your life in public, you know, gets you. I agree with you on that, and I'm probably I'm not as old as you are. Ed. <laughs> no offense, but um, I'm also of that generation that there needs to be an air of mystery. And you know what? There's a lot of people who are even younger. Um, <clears throat> And, and who, you know, are around Odell's age who feel that they don't need to lead, lead their life on social media. It, it, it's a choice. And, you know, I, I kind of understand it because if you're a high-profile person and you have a lot of marketing deals and it's an opportunity to, you know, promote your marketing, uh, whatever it is you're marketing, but at the same time, how does allowing a picture of you, I don't know, at a date on a date with a, a singer, or you know, or I, I, and I'm not saying he knew about this, but that video that showed up that that started this whole firestorm. How does that promote anything? It it it, it doesn't. It creates a bad optic, and you know, it, it just. I don't I don't know what to say. It's just I, I can't wrap my head around it. it. It's like you know, is it really necessary now? Granted, you can say that Odell maybe didn't know that he was being recorded, but still, this goes back to what I've said. You know, take the Derek Jeter approach. Say, look, you, you want to hang out with me in my hotel room? Put your phone away. Put it in the safe, and, and don't take it out until you're ready to leave. It's that simple. Sure. You know, part of it is we get the fact that with with Facebook and, Twitter and Instagram and and all of that and geez I mentioned Facebook which which dates me anyway because only old people use Facebook. MySpace would have you know? really dated you. <laughs> <laughs> no 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 I'm not going there. But the point of it is I get the fact that a lot of these athletes want to reach out to their fans. They want to control the message per se. So you know when I look at Odell it's like. So control the message, for crying out loud. Don't just let any, you know, like you said, Patty, you know, take people's cell phones when they hang around with you, when they come to your house, when they come to your room. You know, make sure that, that, that you can't be recorded in ways that you don't want to be recorded. You know, we all know, you know, Odell gets compared to, to Lawrence Taylor, fairly or unfairly, you know, and, and part of that, comparison is because of the talent and we get that but we all know you know that Lawrence Taylor wasn't the nicest guy in the world and still isn't the nicest guy in the world he still in a lot of ways doesn't have control of his own life and you know things would have been a lot different for Lawrence Taylor had he played in this generation God knows what we would have found out on a daily or weekly basis about Lawrence Taylor you know that that we didn't want to know but, you know, Taylor didn't live in this generation or he didn't play in this generation. It's just different now. You know, just do something to keep your to keep your your life a little bit private so that it's not entirely, you know, lived in the public eye. I just, you know, uh, that would be my advice to Odell, you know, but he obviously he wants to live his life his way. And, and we'll see, you know, if, if he and the Giants can both make peace with that. They're going to have to because, as Dave Gettleman said, and I agree with this 100%, his job as a GM 
is to eliminate distractions that might prevent the team from doing what it needs to. Now, I know Odell doesn't seek to be a distraction purposely, but how many times last year and in the year before that did you and I go into the locker room hoping to talk and write about football only to be diverted into another direction that had nothing to do with the game itself but was a distraction created either because of somebody's behavior, because of, you know, of Odell's, um, um, you know, decision of choice of a touchdown celebrations or whatever the case may be. Those are distractions that this team doesn't need. But, you know, th there has to be some kind of balance and, and some kind of, you know, sound judgment, you know. And, and, and I'm just, I, I, I hope that, you know, Odell, when he comes in and, and you know, Pat Shermer said that he's going to come in and he's going to be there for the start of the offseason program, you hope that he finally says, okay, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to listen to this coach and I'm going to not be, you know, do things that are going to put this team in, in, in a bad light. But who knows? I mean, you know, maybe Odell doesn't see it that way. I, I don't want to speak for the guy, but but uh, it, it's a very fine line. And it's, it's you know, you, you go back to when Tom Coughlin was here. And, you know, I like Tom Coughlin. I have a lot of respect for him. But this all began to mushroom when, you know, you, you can go back to the to the Josh Norman fights against that Carolina game when, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still shocked to this day that Coughlin didn't yank Odell out of that game and sit him down and give him a timeout. You know, you look at when Ben McAdoo was here, you know, he kind of, you know, to me, from the outside looking in, it looked like he treated Odell with, with kid gloves until, you know, Odell kind of pushed the envelope. He, he, he just, I, I don't know, can you stuff the toothpaste back in the tube at this point? I, I think they've got to find a way. Otherwise, I, I, I just don't know how this is going to play out. Yeah, I, I think you're on the right track there, Patty. I do think that some of what was said yesterday was about messaging. It was about trying to, you know, to put the toothpaste back in the bottle put the genie back in the bottle, you know, however you want to put it. It's about, you know, just making sure that, that, that somebody, you know, that Odell and that all of the players understand that and this is something I've been writing at Big Blue View is the franchise, the team, the organization is bigger than any one player. The Giants won four Super Bowls you know, before Odell Beckham became a giant. They've won nothing since Beckham came along. That, now one does not equal the other. You know, I'm not saying that that, that, that is Beckham's fault. But the reality of it is the Giants won Super Bowls. They were a dominant team for a long time, you know, at different points in time. You know, long before Odell Beckham came along, the franchise will be fine, you know, whenever the day comes that Odell Beckham is no longer a giant. Um, you know, I see on Twitter a whole bunch yesterday, and I see in comments on Big Blue View people saying, I'll never be a Giants fan again if they get rid of Odell Beckham. And, and to me, that's nonsense, because if you were a Giants fan before Beckham, 
you should be a Giants fan, and you will be a Giants fan after Beckham because you're rooting for the team. You're not if 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 you're rooting for the individual player, you know, sure you you fall for players, but in the end you root for the uniform, you root for the team, it's about the team. And, and I think that that's that's where we're at. Is it is it about one player? Is it about satisfying one player and keeping one player in the headlines? Or is it about the organization? And obviously the Giants want it to be about the organization and about winning. Um, and whatever the best way to do that is, if, if Beckham is part of that, then great. If the decision winds up being, if they come to, to the realization that, that it's just not going to work with Odell, then it's just not going to work and you move on. You do the best you can to to get as much as you can, and you go forward, and, and life will be fine. Agree. And, and you know, it's interesting. I saw the same thing in my Twitter timeline. I saw people say, I'm done with the Giants if they trade Odell. But, um, you know, yes, you can still be a fan of a player, even if he's not on your team. And I'm not saying that the Giants are going to get rid of Odell. I don't think they will. I've been saying that since all this got started. But let's take a step back here. Are you rooting for the player or are you rooting for the, the uniform? You know, that that's I, – I, I just not sure what people – you know, what, what these people are, are rooting for. But uh, last thing I will say about Odell and his situation is this. If you go back and you look at everything that has transpired, including the NFL Network report about how Odell – may not set foot on a field on the field um, without a new contract. Those quotes, or that report, I should say, was never attributed to Odell or to his agent. It was it, the way it was worded is it is my understanding, okay? and 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 when you're trying to hedge what you're reporting, I hate to to, to give up an industry trade secret here, but when you're looking to hedge, you generally say something like, it's my understanding. Um, that or it's my opinion that you know so so it's not set in stone so um, t- gentlemen and Shermer both said and, and I think John Mara said that neither Odell nor his agents have come in and said look we're not we're not gonna set foot on the field until you do our deal I think Steve Tisch mentioned that they were in the early stages of negotiating and he, I got to believe negotiating also includes expectations, what they expect from Odell if they give him all this money. But I will say this as well, and I've said it before, but it bears mentioning again. Odell wasn't getting on the practice field anyway this spring. He's probably not going to set foot on that field until late summer, if not week one of the season. So really, is this a story? I mean, is this a big deal that he, you know, even if this were true and he said, I'm not going to set foot on the field in the preseason, which I believe he he agreed with a fan in a tweet. In a tweet, is this really a story? I mean, this is common sense. The guy is rehabbing from a serious ankle injury, a broken bone, if I remember correctly. So why would you want him out there until he's a hundred percent? No, I mean you're right, Patty. I mean, but you do you would like him to be around. You would like him to. You know, to to show up, you would like him to you know to 
to learn his new coaching staff, to be around to learn the new offense, to be around, you know, his his new teammates. You don't want a situation where the first time you see him, you know, is where the, where the first time you see him, you know, at at uh, at the Giants practice facility is a couple days before the season starts. That's what you don't want, and I'm I'm not saying at all that. You know uh, that that anyone has said that that would that, that would be or will be the case. You just hope that you avoid that situation. You know, I think what everybody wants in the end is for the Giants to put the best possible product on the field, to to win games, to see this this stretch of of awful football where, you know, the Giants have, have missed the playoffs five out of the last six years. They've had, you know, the one, they had the one good season, and, you know, which is, I'm sorry, it was an aberration in, in a, in a string of, of bad seasons. You know, I think everyone wants to see that end. It would be nice to, you know, for you and I, it would be nice to cover a good football team again for a change to cover a team that, you know that that didn't have all of this this off field nonsense going on and 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 for fans it would be nice to you know to to be happy about the product that they see on the field and you know some people see Beckham's talent and they see you know how would it be possible for the Giants to get better by moving on from Odell and you know but I go back to again they you know they won Super Bowls without you know, absolute superstar wide receivers without the team being built around one guy. They won Super Bowls as a team. And I think, you know, ideally Odell will be part of the solution. Um, Ideally it all works out that way. It would be, it'd be great if it does. You know, maybe it won't. We hope that it does. Um, but I don't think we're any place really different than we were a few days ago. We've we've spent a lot of time and talked about it a lot. We've used a lot of internet bandwidth on it. Uh, but I really don't think we're, we're in a whole lot of a different place than we were last week. No, and and you know, like I said, I, I'm kind of tired of talking about it. So on that note, Ed, let's take a quick pause so we can get a word in from our sponsor. And then let's turn our attention to some rule changes that were uh, agreed upon at the NFL owners meeting. If you or a loved one lived, worked, or visited Lower Manhattan in the months after the 9-11 attacks and have been diagnosed with cancer, federal benefits and health care may be available. Attorney Eddie Markowitz has helped many families recover substantial benefits from the September 11 Victims' Compensation Fund. The James Zadroga Health and Compensation Act has been extended, but time is limited. Attorney Eddie Markowitz is proud to serve as counsel to to the Zadroga family. Let him help you, too. These benefits are not just for rescue workers, but for anyone who qualifies. The fund covers many cancers, including prostate, skin, lung, and breast. Please call 1-833-LAW-HELP. That's 1-833-LAW-HELP to see if you qualify. Okay. 
we're back. Uh, we're talking. Uh, we're turning our attention now to some rule changes that were announced at the uh, owners' meeting this, earlier this week. Um, the first one that obviously everybody is kind of rejoicing over, including yours truly, is that they finally have simplified what a catch is. Yes, thank goodness for that, Patty. You know, it's it, it's. The mistake to me that they've made over the years is is the more they change it, the more, you know, to use a, a, a word that might not really be a word, the more gobbledygook they've added to it, and the more <laughs> they've just they've, they've made it hard to figure out what a catch is. And, and hopefully, you know, what we have here is, is a more common sense rule. You know what I've hated over the years, Patty, with the catch rule? What? Is you watch someone try to explain what a catch is, and the first thing that you'll hear is, well, he caught the ball, but then this and this and this happened, and that makes it not a catch. But if the first thing you're saying is, he caught the ball, that's a catch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. And, and hopefully we're back to that standard where if it looks like a catch, if it smells like a catch – you know, if it feels like a catch, it's a catch. Amen. Amen. It's like, you know, whatever happened to the old keep it simple, uh, silly philosophy, it's like, why convolute it? It's just, I, I just don't understand how it, it went and got so convoluted. But, you know, hopefully now um, when, a, when a receiver catches the ball, there should be no, okay, uh, was that a catch or was that not a catch? But, you know, speaking of convoluted, Ed, there was another rule that apparently was um, approved, and that is that has to deal with tackling and initiating contact with the helmet. Now, I happen to see a few tweets um, from from NFL players saying, "Okay, so how are we supposed to tackle?" Now, I understand you don't want to use the helmet, you don't want to spear, you know, act like a spear where you're leading with the head. That's not good for, for the player who's spearing. That's not good for the guy who, who, who's the target. But here's what I don't understand. So basically, you're saying that if you try to shoulder tackle and somehow your head gets in there, that's going to be a penalty? I mean, I'm very, you know, every year the, the, um, the Giants have the officials come down. They talk to the players, and they also do a session for the media. I'm very interested to see how that is explained and, and to see some examples of that because I'm thinking, you know, well, what happens if a guy leaps up and now, you know, you, you're, you're, you as a defender, you're poised to hit a guy with your chest, but now because the guy, you know, moved, the, the, your intended target moved, now you hit him with the head. So to me, it just seems like a lot of um, amb ambiguity with that rule, and I, I just I need to see more information, examples, and, and you know, I guess clarification on that. Am I alone here? Not at all, Patty. Here's the here's the thing. I absolutely support trying to make football safer, and to take the the head and spearing and using the helmet as a weapon out of the game whenever possible. But here's but but how on earth do you officiate this rule? How do you splice this rule? You know, when a guy dives to make a tackle, when a guy dives, 
the, the first thing out there is going to be his head. If his head happens to hit the guy's ankle, is that a penalty that, that could result in a guy being ejected? You know, a running back carrying the ball comes through the line of scrimmage, and how many times during a game do you see a running back trying to protect the football, maybe trying to gain an extra yard, lowers his head, and that to me, that's using your helmet as a weapon. How does a running back adjust his running style? You see blockers all the time, guys pull, they come around the corner, you know, and, and you, you try to stay low, you know, to deliver a block. And sometimes the first thing that you're going to hit a guy with is your helmet. I mean, it's not just, you know, a, a safety in the open field, you know, trying to make a tackle on a guy coming across the middle. If you're going to, if you have this rule, the way that I understand it, it fundamentally changes almost everything about the game and, and the way that guys play the game and officiate the game. And I just don't get how you're going to parse this rule and how you're going to enforce it. Yeah, this is something. Um, we have a retired official at Inside Football that, that um, runs an Ask the Ref or Ask the Official column. I'm going to see if I can get some clarification from him, have him write something up because. I just don't understand. I, I mean, unless I'm missing something, how this is going to work. I mean, uh, I, and I have a feeling that before the season starts, I know the NFL is having another meeting in May, I believe. I have a feeling they're going to maybe look to further refine these rules and, and, and put new language in there that clarifies it because I, I could just see this becoming a nightmare to to enforce. and. You know, again, like you, I'm all for making the game as safe as possible, but it just sounds like at this point, why just just take tackling out of it altogether and and make it flag football? You know, I mean, I just well, don't I see. Just... I just don't see how a defender. I mean, I, I know there are certain things where, where if you you lead in with your head or if you drive your weight, you know, into a guy as you're sacking him, that I get, but. You know, tackling, and here's the other thing: guys have been taught to tackle one way. You know, you know, coming up through pee wee football, coming up through college and high school, and and now all of a sudden they're going to have to adjust. I, I just, I'm very curious well, to see how this plays out. I am too, Patty, because for me, the way this rule is written, for me, it goes far beyond the idea of tackling because guys use the helmet you know especially you see it all the times as all the time as i said with running backs the helmet you know is is part of you know what guys use in so many other different ways that i don't see how you officiate this rule you know without basically telling guys all right why don't we just not wear helmets <laughs> You know, maybe if we don't wear helmets anymore, you know, th then this won't be a problem. But I, I have no idea how this rule is going to be officiated without drawing all sorts of, of problems and, and how it's going to be officiated equitably, you know, across the league during, you know, during games you know, without, without causing huge amounts of controversy. 
Yeah, somebody, uh, one of my followers said, well, just take a look and see, you know, how they do it in rugby, and that's probably how they're going to do it in the NFL. But, you know, again, that's like, you know, you've been writing with your right hand all your life, and now all of a sudden you've got to write with your left hand. It's going to take time to adjust, and, you know, especially you have an you know a CBA that prohibits tackling and contact until summer training camp, until the, like, the, the fourth day of summer camp. How and how I, I just don't know how coaches are going to teach these guys how to adjust how they tackle. It's it, it's it's going to be tricky. That's a good point, Patty. That's a good point. So we'll just oh. have to we'll just have to find out. We will have to find out, indeed. So, all right. Well, on that note, Giant fans, we will call it a show. Uh, we, as always, we want to thank you for tuning in and listening, and we will be back with you again this week with uh, more of our uh, analysis. Um, We hope to have a guest on uh, at some point this week, another guest, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Have a good one.